Hello and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen, and I'm joined today by Dr. David Prentice from the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be with you. It's great to have you on the show today. And today we're going to be talking about embryonic stem cell research versus adult stem cell research. So yeah, I guess let's just start with the basic. What is embryonic stem cell research and what what are stem cells? Maybe is a good right, way yeah, to kind yeah, of let's, that let's go right down to you know stem cell 101 a, a stem cell is a cell that it basically has two characteristics it continues to grow and divide mm-hmm. so you've always got a, a pool of these cells available and that's true whether they're in a lab dish or in your body okay. and then number 2 a stem cell will take certain cues from from tissues around it or as you grow and so on and form other types of cells, specialized cells that could be blood cells, that could be heart cells, it could be brain cells or whatever. Uh, and then there are different flavors of stem cells. And, and primarily it's a matter of what the source of the cell is. So you mentioned embryonic stem cells and the name kind of gives it away. You get them from little embryos. Back at the stage early, early in our life, when we're only about five or so days old, you look a little different than we do now. You look kind of like a little hollow ball with some cells inside. The cells inside are our embryonic stem cells. As we go ahead and grow and develop in mom's womb, and even after we're born, those cells form all of the tissues of our body. Now, uh, some scientists made the claim, well, then what we ought to be able to do is just to take some of those embryonic stem cells and we can turn them into anything anybody needs. And as one person put it, we'll be able to cure all known maladies. We're actually going to just be able to, to use embryonic stem cells to cure any kind of disease or injury. Well, that's not true, number one. But let's actually look back at where you got those cells again. You get them from a young human being and you have to kill that young human being to get her embryonic stem cells out in the dish to be able to do these experiments. And as I've already kind of let the cat out of the bag, not a single person has benefited from human embryonic stem cell research in terms of uh, being able to transplant those cells into a person and then document that they're actually cured of whether it's a spinal cord injury, diabetes. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. How is so, that different than yeah. fetal? Is it different than fetal cell research that they've used it, to make vaccines? It is. Fetal, okay. fetal cells are from a little later on okay. in development. So, uh, the medical definition usually says you're an embryo until about eight weeks mm-hmm. inside the womb, and then we call you a fetus. Okay. It's a continuum. Obviously, you continue to develop and you grow and cells specialize. There's no big demarcation at eight weeks. One of the things we do know is at about that point of time, pretty much all of the initial rudiments, the initial seeds, if you will, of every organ and tissue are in place by the time you're about eight weeks old in the womb. So both of them are basically doing using the cells of a baby to develop things scientifically, but with embryonic stem cells, you're using the stem cells, which could become anything versus with 
a with the fetal cell research, they're using already formed cells that have some type right. of specific specification. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Now you can actually get quotes fetal stem cells because we keep some stem cells around in our body, but they tend to be a little more specialized. Uh, we'll we'll talk about all of these different kinds of adult stem cells, but they're they're a little more manageable, should we say? Uh, well, and number one, you don't have to kill anybody to get an adult stem cell. I I can be a donor. You can pretty much anybody can be a donor. Uh, your listeners have probably heard of bone marrow transplants. Those are adult stem cells taken from the bone marrow of of an adult. You can get adult stem cells, though, even from babies and children. I think they coined the term adult stem cell just to make sure it was as far away as could be from embryonic, where you actually are killing a very young, basically weak old human being. Mm -hmm. Fetal tissue research, as you were referring to, is usually using already formed tissues, livers and hearts and brains and so on. And But again, it relies on the destruction of a young human being. Mm -hmm. So these are death destroying, uh, life destroying, you could say types of things with embryonic stem cells, with fetal tissue or even fetal stem cells. Let's go then to the adult stem cells, where you get them. Well, from anybody <laughs> and pretty much from birth onward. Umbilical cord blood, uh, the baby's born, we cut the cord, usually it gets thrown away. Well, we need to be saving that because it's a very rich source of what we're calling adult stem cells. Now, there's some other technical terms people use. They'll call them somatic stem cells or tissue stem cells. But adult stem cell is what's kind of caught on. Besides uh, the umbilical cord, besides the bone marrow, you can actually find some adult stem cells in almost every tissue of the body. I mean, we used to think, and so I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. I've I've uh, experienced a little bit more, but when I was a grad student, they were saying there were only a couple of sources of adult stem cells, your bone marrow and things like the lining of your intestine and bottom layer of the skin. Well, we now know that you can get stem cells from the brain, from the heart, tissues we thought never even had a stem cell before. And my favorite source, liposuctioned fat. Now, it's my favorite because I can be a donor, but uh, they're actually can take out fat tissue and sieve out, if you will, the adult stem cells. And they're useful to form lots of tissues. Now, adult stem cells may not be as flexible. The thing about embryonic stem cells and the attraction, I think, for some scientists was an embryonic stem cell could potentially make any tissue of the body. I mean, that's what it does normally. If you leave the embryo intact, it goes ahead and forms all the tissues of our body. So I think some scientists thought, oh, this is a one-size-fits-all. We can uh, make any tissue. And, of course, we could also make lots of money because we can patent and license and sell them, you know, and so on. None of that has come to pass because the embryonic stem cells are are a little bit wild. They're kind of like a teenager, if you will, running around and causing trouble. What they found was they started to inject them into animals to test this theory. 
And more often than not, they form tumors because they like to keep growing that? instead of forming the particular tissue. Their, their job description at that stage in your life as an embryo is to grow as fast as possible and then start to make every kind of tissue. And sure enough, one of the tests to see if you've got an embryonic, or you might hear the term pluripotent, it has a plurality of potencies forming lots of cells. One of the tests that they'll do is they'll inject some embryonic stem cells into a mouse and see if it starts to make lots of different cells in a kind of tumor called a teratoma. Now, that's an interesting test. And yes, they still retain that ability, but I wouldn't want to be treated with those cells because they're just going to make a tumor and they're not going to form the tissue I need. Whereas adult stem cells are, are more mature, we could say. They may not have quite the flexibility, but you could take bone marrow adult stem cells and transplant them and they will form other kinds of tissues. It's already been documented in the scientific literature. They can form heart. They can form muscle. They can form liver. Looks like they can form some brain cells as well. Would you use a bone marrow adult stem cell to form neural tissue? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But they, they have this um, capability, if you will. Uh, I have one, one scientist colleague who calls it cell peer pressure that you put the cells next to some heart cells and they'll form heart tissue next to muscle cells. They'll form muscle into a dish with nerve cells. They form nerve. So it's kind of, you know, they're looking around and said, Oh, this is the neighborhood I'm in now. I'll be a nerve cell or, Oh, I'm over here. And these are kidney cells for my neighbors. So I need to, I need to fit into that. For both embryonic and adult stem cells, do they need fresh ones each time? Or is that something that you could create a cell line like they do with the fetal tissue where it's like constantly um, reproducing? For embryonic stem cells, this is, this is one of the selling points they like to say is you could start with okay. one embryo and you can make it into a line that is essentially immortal. It'll continue to grow forever. Uh, it, doesn't seem to be quite the same case for an adult stem cell. You usually do want fresh cells, whether that's bone marrow, umbilical cord blood, the solid part of the umbilical cord is also very rich, or, or some other tissue that's got a good concentration. Uh, it's not that you can't necessarily grow these into a cell line. And you can, it's interesting, you can even take adult stem cells and get them from cadavers. Uh, for cell culture work, it turns out the, the, the donor, if you will, doesn't even have to be alive. They can have been dead uh, for several days and you can still recover live adult stem cells from them and form a cell line or use them for experiments and so on. It, it's kind of weird, but kind <laughs> yeah. of neat as well that you could be a donor even after you're dead. So, but, but usually they will not do that. It, in fact, um, about half of the adult stem cell transplants done nowadays, the patient is their own donor. And so, okay. for example, for a number of treatments for cancers, as well as uh, some autoimmune diseases like multiple sclerosis or Crohn's disease, uh, 
the docs will take some of the patient's own adult stem cells from bone marrow. Then you get this blast of, of chemo or radiation to kill the rogue cells, whether they're the cancer or the autoimmune ones that are attacking your body. And then they'll, they'll take out and maybe they've grown the, the cells, the adult stem cells in the dish for a while, and then they'll give them back to the patient. That's about half of the cases of transplants nowadays. The other half are a donor where you do have to have, of course, a, a good match or you can have problems, but just like any tissue transplant. But uh, if I'm a donor, I would go in. A lot of times they'll do a, a, a bone marrow punch. Sometimes, though, and more, more nowadays, I, for several days, get uh, an injection of a chemical that essentially gets the adult stem cells out of my bone marrow and into my bloodstream. And then about five days after I've started those injections, I go in and they just take some blood out of one arm. They put it through a separation mixture and actually almost like a cream separator, they'll take out the cream, the adult stem cells, and everything else goes back into my arm. It's really neat. Uh, and then you've got a nice source, again, of adult stem cells to treat a matched patient. If adult stem cells are that much more effective, then why do they keep pushing embryonic stem cells? Like, it seems like if embryonic stem cells have never hurt anybody or helped anybody, I mean, and yeah. adult stem cells have helped lots of people, why is there this push to continue? Like, everyone's heard about embryonic stem cell research, but not necessarily people haven't heard about adult stem and, cell and research. And to your point, especially about they've never helped anybody. I've got a colleague at the Lozier Institute who just wrote a paper, Human Embryonic Stem Cell Research. 25 years on, mm-hmm. 25 years that they've been working on it, still not documented that they have cured anybody. So, wow. yeah. So why are they still even doing that where there's all this success with uh, adult stem cells? There's some people that are just convinced that they're going to be the one to finally make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some also that I think, we mentioned the economic incentive. They they want to make it work because they think they're going to make a lot of money off of it uh, or some companies that are trying to do that. And that's true whether it's embryonic or, or fetal. But for the embryonic stem cells, there is still no documented success for patients after 25 years. So you know, if you had a scoreboard, you put a big old zero up for embryonic stem cells. The current number, which keeps growing for adult stem cells, is over 2 million. That's over 2 million patients who have been successfully treated with adult stem cells. Most of those are the bone marrow transplants, what we used to call them. But even from umbilical cord blood, the solid part of the umbilical cord, after the baby's born, again, you can drain the blood out. But the solid part of the cord is also very rich in a specific type of adult stem cell that actually can help calm uh, an autoimmune reaction, a a sort of, when you get a transplant, uh, you may have a reaction. These adult stem cells are good at calming those kinds of inflammatory reactions. So, you know, it's, it's amazing though, and 
we we used to keep a scoreboard of different diseases and so on treated. It's hard to keep up anymore. There's so many studies being done and clinical trials and you know, a lot of it hasn't moved into the clinic that you could go down and get it right away, but a lot of them have, and a lot of them are getting closer and closer. So when we talk about, you know, any type of alternative to embryonic stem cells or even fetal tissue, they're a tremendous number. Can you share some of those then with us, some of the success stories that have come out of the adult stem cell research? Because we were talking glad, about that a little bit beforehand. Yeah. Before I do, let me give you just a couple of other little tidbits. There is another type of adult stem cell that your listeners might hear about. It's called, hold on to your hats, induced pluripotent stem cells. Okay. And that's why we say IPS cells. They're kind of an intermediate. You, you grow them by taking just an ordinary cell, like a skin cell. You put it in the dish and you can treat it in certain ways that it starts to look and act like an embryonic stem cell. But it didn't come from an embryo. You didn't have to kill anybody to get this kind of cell. So, you know, you can do any of the experiments. In fact, you can do more experiments uh, than an embryonic stem cell with an IPS cell. The guy who who developed that, Dr. Yamanaka from Japan, got the Nobel Prize in 2012 for developing this. You can take a cell or a tissue from virtually any patient. You can take cells from patients that have a disease and study the disease in the dish. And you can use them also to do it. And, and this is kind of a, a geek thing, but uh, what are called make what are called organoids. Now, they're not a full-sized organ, but the cells, the IPS cells, will come together and start to recapitulate normal development. And you can get beating heart cells, you can get nerve cells, you can get kidney cells, but not just in a dish, you know, flat, like in a Petri dish. They actually will form aggregates and clumps that start to act just like the normal organ. So they, uh, there are a number of them. Uh, I had a, a list here that I called the organoid recital. <clears throat> uh, they were able to take some and, and form basically the inner part of the ear that would be associated with hearing and they could put these things together and study them, but they could actually restore the hearing in mice that had lost their hearing. Uh, they can make what are called cerebral organoids, basically look like they don't look like brains, but they are little collections of nerve cells of different types in a dish. Uh, they can make they can make little miniature hearts, even multi-chambered hearts in the dish using these cells and and steady, you know, how does development happen? What happens to cause abnormal development? What happens if you've got a genetic condition? Is there a way that you can come up with steadying it there in the dish to be able to come up with a way to ameliorate the problems? Um, Could so, that be used to do like surgery on unborn children or something to fix maybe a heart defect or something like that? Yep. And so making maybe not a whole heart at first, although eventually they may get there, but they've already been able to develop heart valves 
that they can grow in the dish and then do the transplant even in utero. I mean, a lot of these things can be done prenatally and start to treat them, you know, very early in the womb. Um, what's that? Why are they miniature? Like what you said, it was, it wasn't a full size or miniature. So is it because they they don't go ahead and and grow big size. They're just like little, like little peas that you would look at in the dish. And so they have the function, but maybe not all the structure that you would get. Because if you think about it, part of the structure of an organ depends on its neighbor's here in the trunk for lungs and heart and where everything goes. And, but if they're just sitting there in the dish, they're not necessarily going to form the same type of structure that we would recognize. Oh, that's a kidney. Well, it doesn't look like that in the dish or it doesn't look like a brain, but it still has those functions. Um, you know, digestive organs, including intestines. And, and so here was one of my favorites. They actually made tear gland organoids in the dish, and then they made them cry. They would actually function. And so you could, okay, it's kind of a little strange science experiment, but what if somebody had, you know, dry eye? condition. Yeah. Maybe you need to replace those cells so that they actually form tears and tear ducts and so on. And this so, was done using the I was it IPS, those cells, a, the a ones lot that of the organoids do the IPS. There are some that use adult stem cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I want to talk more about the adult stem cells, the authentic ones now, whether it's cord blood, solid part of the cord, bone marrow, Liposuction fat, again, uh, some of these things. Uh, there's a, a, a website, in fact, your listeners, I'd encourage you to go to stemcellresearchfacts.org, where we've tried to document a number of the patients who have actually been treated with adult stem cells and just let them tell their story. Instead of, you know, the, the dry scientific presentation from me, yeah, they actually will talk about what they were going through for a lot of different conditions, including heart damage, multiple sclerosis, various types of cancers and leukemias. And then you get into some more interesting things. Cerebral palsy, little girl who had cerebral palsy and, and was treated with umbilical cord blood, adult stem cells. Basically, you know, no problems since then. And it was her uh, own umbilical cord blood. Hers, it was her own. Saved it, I think. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, in some cases, so you could consider that uh, she was a autologous. She was her own donor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of parents do keep the umbilical cord blood for things like that. How does that kind of treatment work? Do they just give her a shot of the stem cells? Do they have to... How do... What's the science? Like yeah. medical it, it, science it's a little like bit different depending on the condition. But for her, it basically was just IV drip of her own cord blood adult stem cells back into her body. Because another interesting aspect of adult stem cells, they kind of home in on damage. Now, they could have tried to inject it into her brain, but... Cerebral palsy is a more diffuse condition throughout the brain rather than just one little spot like, oh, a stroke, let's say. 
uh, and and the cells kind of home in on damage. They've done experiments with animals that show that, yeah, if they had heart damage, they went to the heart. If they had liver damage, they went to the liver. If they had brain damage, they went to the brain. If they had no damage, they just kind of circulated around and then we're gone. So they, they are um, well-designed, if you could take that. Uh, to be able to treat damage, to repair damage. That's, it may not be a hundred percent, but you know, consider I'm, I mentioned stroke. So on that website, we document, uh, the case of Sonia Kuntz, who had had a stroke as an adult, young adult. She was basically paralyzed on one side of her body. She had problems with an arm and a leg. Her speech was slurred and it embarrassed her to the point that she didn't, she was engaged to be married. She didn't want to go ahead and get married. She got into a, 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 a clinical trial. And, and again, I encourage folks to go to that website and look at these stories. They're just little short four or five minute videos. Uh, but uh, so she got into a trial. In her case, they did do an injection into the site of the stroke in your brain. They could map it out and carefully deliver it. Uh, she's not 100% cured, but she, as she was coming out of the anesthesia, started to raise her arm and use it. She hadn't been able to do that before. She was able to start walking and so on. And, and we've just done, I don't know if it's even up on the website yet, we've just done a, an update went back to talk to Sonia. One of the things she went ahead and got married. One of the things she was afraid of after the stroke was she would never be able to realize a couple of her dreams, which number one was to have kids. She's got two kids now and she wanted to do rock climbing. Well, she couldn't do that with the stroke damage. So she's been rock climbing. You know, and it's wow. still, uh, you know, she's she's not a hundred percent, but you know, just watch this update video, which should be up there in the next few days. Uh, it's just amazing all the things. There's another video I, I want to direct your listeners to. It's with little Reagan Moore. Reagan was born and diagnosed at birth with a condition called Crabbe disease. It's a, it's a nasty genetic disease, neurodegenerative. And in fact, these little kids usually don't live beyond two years old. They diagnosed her at birth. And because it's genetic, she couldn't use her own cord blood or adult stem cells. So they got donor cord blood, did the infusions. Now, again, 100%, you know, you can tell she's had some delays in her development. But uh, she turned five and started to school <laughs> within the last year. So she's she's doing a, a lot better than you would expect uh, for Crabbe's disease. And it's, again, because of the adult stem cells. Uh, other things, there have been a couple of reports uh, last spring about adult stem cells, including from umbilical cord blood, treating HIV where they give really? people with the HIV these these cells and they can't find the virus anymore in these people. It, it's still experimental and, and, you know, it'll take a while before it gets to the local clinic. 
But being able to do that, uh, treating juvenile diabetes, treating uh, all sorts of different sorts of muscle conditions and so on. I mean, it's, like I said, over 2 million and counting for people who've been successfully treated with adult stem cells. That's incredible. And I feel like each of those conditions you're describing are all different. Like this is not like only people with a certain type of issue are getting cured. It's able to cure lots of different problems. Yeah. Um, why isn't the media talking about this? Like, I don't, you, I feel like I've heard these stories from you, but I don't hear them often. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure. You would think anybody that's, that's successfully treated and recovered from a disease or an injury, uh, wouldn't we be celebrating that? And all I can say is it seems to be this kind of ideological bias that it's not embryonic. It's not the, the death dealing type of stem cell. It's this run of the mill, non-controversial adult stem cells. Well, you know, that's, that's just not as exciting as embryonic stem cells or cells from an abortion. That's what the media would say. Yeah. Yeah. For actually talking about the embryonic stem cells, how do they, do they have to perform very early abortions to get the stem cells or do they take sperm and egg and basically grow like IVF almost to um, use, it, like to it, create an embryo? How do they? Yeah, it, it is the IVF embryos because these are, you really don't even implant into the lining of the womb until about seven days after okay. fertilization. And so these are, or they started mostly with embryos that are IVF embryos. Uh, there's a term that's used that I hate, but they're called leftover embryos. So IVF, usually it, it's, it's a business model. They will try to get lots of eggs from the woman. They'll fertilize all of those eggs. And there might be 5, 10, 20 embryos. Well, they're not going to put all of those in the womb at once. And so a lot of those just get thrown in a freezer. But you have to grow those IVF embryos in the dish for a while. And then let's say there were 10 embryos and the couple decides, well, we've got two kids. That's all we want. You've still got eight embryos in the freezer. What are you going to do with them? And so their solution was to kill them and just suck out their embryonic stem cells. They've also talked about even making embryos using cloning techniques or other types or, or making them, like you said, the old fashioned way with egg and sperm, but lots of different ways they've come up with to make an embryo in the lab. But here you are floating in the dish. You're very young, but you're still a human being. And again, exactly. you're the resource though. They have to kill you to get embryonic stem cells, which yeah. as we've already said, haven't helped a single person and resulted in the deaths of it's in the, frankly, millions is the best guess. They don't usually report all the numbers, but our, our estimates are millions of young human beings have been sacrificed to the science. Yeah, that's even if it did work, it wouldn't be ethical to use them. Well, no. Yeah. And just the fact that it doesn't work. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. I'm, I'm it's a good thing. I guess it doesn't work, but I wish that they would just stop 
trying to do the research if it's not working. Well, <laughs> like it, yeah. And, and one yeah. thing that we'd like them to stop doing is funding the research. So our federal government spends several hundred million dollars a year on this type of research. If that money got shunted over to the successful and ethical research, even just if you talked about, well, let's use it for what actually helps patients. Let's treat patients first and use those kind of stem cells. So let's give that money to adult stem cell researchers that are actually helping people. The money dries up. Maybe that would be the incentive they need to stop. What can, can our listeners do anything to protest the funding of this kind of research? Or is it very, is it like, is there anything listeners can act actively do to stop embryonic stem cell research? Yes. And, and that would be contact your elected representatives. Okay. Some of them are, are ideologically in tune, you might say with that, and, and they may not listen, but you need to, to speak to them as well. But there are a lot of policymakers who just are waiting for the incentive from their constituents to say, we don't want our taxpayer money going to this life-destroying research. Just shove it over. You put it here on life-affirming and life-saving research, adult stem cell research. Help patients. I mean, it's called the National Institutes of Health. So let's use that money for things that are going to promote health. And, and I would do that not just for your federal legislators, but even at the state level. They need to hear this as well, too, because there are a lot of states that are thinking, should we put money here? Should we put money here? They need to hear that we want the successful and ethical adult stem cell research to be funded. Well, thank you so much for this today. It's been so interesting to talk about it. I was When I was looking at the website before we um, started the interview, I was looking at all the different stories, and it just blew my mind how many different healings have come about because of adult stem cells. Yeah, and, and the number keeps growing. Yes. Thank you so much for this conversation today. Well, thanks, and, and thanks for getting this information out there. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, please like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, check out the new eBooks we have coming out and keep on living the culture of life. God bless.